You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Build for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Build for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't tried a free trial yet, go to buildforthestage.com. And we'll be seven days on our way to working together on an interactive fitness app. If you're interested in upping your fitness level and marrying it to your pursuit of your theatrical career, I am the person for you. So hit us up, BillForTheStage.com or at BillForTheStage. Thanks to BPN Broadway Podcast Network. You can check them out at BPN.FM. All right. Special guest. Can't wait to finally get to chat with this uh, entrepreneurial lady boss down in texas right now i believe i am sitting in my car on long island because that is the entrepreneurial hustle i can't wait to uh have you meet our guest founder owner of scenery bags please welcome jennifer khan hi jen hi thank you for having me yeah thanks so much for making the time um i know life is busy as always with business and family so thanks for squeezing us in here uh to chat so um, I mentioned you're down in Texas. Where are you originally from? Are you originally from Texas? No, I'm originally from San Diego, California. Oh, okay, um, nice. Yes, yeah, so born and raised there, went to college in LA at USC, then moved to New York as, as a stage manager, then moved back to San Diego, worked at La Jolla Playhouse on the Old Globe for eight years as a stage manager, then got married. I actually met my husband in New York. He was also a stage manager. We moved to San Diego, got married, moved back to New York for him to go to grad school. And I got to stage manage uh, on Broadway while we were back out there, which was awesome. And uh, then he started producing for Williamstown. I had a baby and he was hired as the new general manager. I say new because every time is nebulous right now. But in 2018, he was hired as the GM of the Alley Theater downtown. And he is from Houston. So now we are here. He's GMing at the alley. I run scenery bags from our house and we're seven minutes from his family. So we have help. I have two little boys, three and five. So Amazing. the right place for right now, but it, I did not think I'd ever end up in Texas. And here we are. <laughs> I I can relate. I've ended up in a lot of places these past two years that I never thought I would really? end up. Okay. So your husband's was also, your husband was also a stage manager. So are you the most organized family in the United States of America? Do you have like a 
laid out schedule for you, your husband, your kids? Like, do you give a five minute call for when it's time for them to go to school? Like, how does this work? You know, we like definitely do calls, but it's just, my husband is one of the, like, he's always, I say OCD in a very loving way, but he's like across the board, like super, super on top of things. And I'm the type of person where like my balance is in work, I'm very organized and personally I'm a disaster. You'll talk to a lot of stage managers that are like that. So I always said that I needed to marry someone who would stage manage my life. And that's exactly what I did. So he stage manages me. (laughs) I stage manage our children. We have a lot of Excel spreadsheets. Our wedding was like the most Excel spreadsheeted wedding maybe ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, we're a good team. It works out really well. Amazing. Okay, cool. So you were, you said you're at La Jolla for eight years? Yeah. Okay. So you're there for eight years. When does like, does the scenery bag idea pop up into your head there? Or is it when you went to New York, when you're stage managing on Broadway? How did this What's what's the origin story? I, I'm so excited to hear. It's, I mean, all of the above, kind of. The idea, like the real genesis of the idea started in 2015 on a road trip to Maine with one of my girlfriends. We were, I was in New York. I had a like week break between closing my Williamstown show and starting rehearsals for Spring Awakening, the Deaf West revival on Broadway. And um, we took a road trip up the, up the coast and there were all these like amazing upcycled eco-friendly handmade shops, which is like very my world. And I was like, this place is awesome. Like where's, where's our idea? I, we can do this. Um, And at like a lunch in Maine, we came up with this idea of like, well, let's use backdrops like that. Those just like big pieces of fabric. We can make that into bags fairly easily. And I, as a stage manager, watched them throw away our shows when the show closed more often than not. Um, And so that night I called my friend who owns a set rental company in San Diego, shout out music and theater company, if you want to rent a set of costumes. Um, But I was like, Hey, do you have any trash? And he's like, yeah, I don't throw anything away. But especially when a show transitions from like a national tour or Broadway, if they don't throw it away right away, but they want to rent it on the regional circuit, the first thing they do is they cut soft goods because no one has the same amount of line sets in a regional space that they do in a touring house or Broadway. Line sets for <laughs> like non-theater speaking people are the pipes that they hang all the all the drops on, mm-hmm. the backdrops. So he's like, I got a ton of stuff that we cut from national tours that I don't want to throw away, but we're not going to use. So I picked up 600 pounds of soft goods from him in uh, the back uh, trunk of my parents' car and put it in my parents' uh, storage unit in San Diego. Um, And then, which my parents thought would stay there forever because I'm a serial entrepreneur and between every show, I would start a new company. Like my friends would all make fun of me when I would come back from like taking a show off and they're like, what company did you start while you were on break? And I'm like, okay, so here's my new idea. And it was- No, go into it. I want to hear about some of these- (laughs) I have like a file on my laptop of like just an ideas file because I like only two of them went into fruition, but like I had, I would start lots of different projects in between shows. Um, Let's pause there. Let's pause there. What, when did you, were you always like this? Like as a kid or younger, when was this like desire to always be creating either a business or a project of some sort? Um, yeah, it started very young. I mean, I 
theater. Like my mom gave my sister and I the theater bug. We grew up on like Doris Day and Gene Kelly and Danny Kaye. And so we, my sister and I would like direct shows and like charge my parents to come watch us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like legit, to, like charge them a ticket fee. And then I like remember uh, there was once where I had like collected basically trash from our house, like last year's calendars and like used dog toys and, and loaded it up on my parents' little like dolly and brought my sister with me. And we went door to door selling our parents' trash to our neighbors. And I think someone finally called my parents and my dad came and found us and was like, you cannot, you can't do this. And like brought us home. But I would think I was like eight. Like it started very young that I just kind of wanted to do. I don't know. Like, I guess I was bit by that entrepreneurial bug very young. And then throughout like school and college, I always wanted to be in leadership. I was in, you know, I was on ASB. I was on leadership in my choir and drama and sorority and every, like, I just kind of always wanted to know what was going on. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the, those two just kind of led to, if, if if I wasn't involved in something I really cared about, which thankfully through theater, I always was. But if I gave myself a break, I'd come up with something else. Got it. Jen, I have to tell you, we're only eight minutes into the conversation and I'm always making notes throughout thinking like which one minute soundbite should go on like the Instagram teaser or yada yada. But like all eight minutes has just been like one big soundbite of me. Like between between the wedding being uh, fully like, planned on a spreadsheet and and now the 600 pounds of goods in the back of your parents car i could just like picture the back of it sparking and dragging on the back of the highway from all the weight and, and well, now- i'm sorry because i like i'm a terrible soundbite like brevity is not my thing so <laughs> I'm like, i apologize right now for like any editing or sound writing that this was a compliment meaning you're giving uh way too much good stuff right now all right, so let, let's go. Let's go back. I paused us at you got the six hundred pounds worth of material. Right. You're driving. You drove it back, and your parents are like, "Eh, this is just going to collect dust. It's another one of Jen's little projects." So, how did it actually gain traction, and what were your next steps in actually making this thing happen? Well, okay. Well, I'm going to take us back to our our pause for a second because the only other company that I actually made happen was a blog that I ran with my sister. It started as a wedding blog because we were DIY brides and everyone wanted to know how we did everything. And then we quickly were like, no, we do not want to do a bride blog. That's not happening. And (laughs) it eventually morphed into a give back an ethical style blog. Um, And so I didn't know then, but this was like, and this was before the days where like backstage people were allowed to have blogs or like be fashionable. Like it was very much like on the DL. Like I did not tell people about this. This was just kind of like this outlet for the other half of my heart or life. Um, and then I had my theater world and I never thought the two would marry until I had the idea for scenery bags. And I was like, Oh, my whole life makes sense because I'm going to take my passion for theater. I also almost started a company that was all about uh, access to theater for student access to theater, which I now fund through TDF with scenery bags and it's give back an ethical style. And it's like, it's literally like everything that I've ever tried to do has now like come to fruition and culmination through scenery bags. So I was just like my, you know, I believe our steps are ordered and it definitely like everything made sense. But I, yeah, so I had the idea, literally called that night, 
flew to San Diego, picked up drops. This is all before I started rehearsals for Spring Awakening. <laughs> all of this happened. So wow. I moved on it really quickly because I was like, I love this idea. It makes sense. It's everything I care about. And then we hit like a two-year kind of stall moment um, where I flew back. I started Spring Awakening. Um, the wonderful Krista Rodriguez, I told about the the um, idea, and she was like a huge champion in the wings for scenery bags. She's like, I can sew. What can we do? Like she'd come off stage and we like brainstorm scenery bags ideas. Um, so I like always, she's like, you don't need to give me credit. I'm like, no, I do. Cause she doesn't understand. Like she was a, a big catalyst for me. Um, and then I closed spring, kept trying to find a manufacturer, which is very hard. I wanted things made in America, which is very hard to do. Um, we also work with, uh, unknown goods. We never know what's coming in. We don't know what shape it's in. We have to figure out how to clean it, which is not always easy. Um, and so no manufacturers wanted to work with me at all. And I finally found one in LA. We ran a test sample of like 25 bags. I didn't have a website yet. I, it was just an Instagram handle that I started uh, like right before I had Hudson, my first baby. And so and, and ironically, having a baby afforded me time to be home for the first time ever in my life because I was a stage manager hmm. my entire adult life, which meant I was only home to sleep. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> what, um, sorry to interrupt. What, so what year is this that you make the handle, the Instagram handle? Probably like 2017. Okay. Maybe 26. 2016, I started the handle. And I'm like only the only people following us were just my friends who were like, what's Jen up to now? We'll yeah. see. Because um, they've been on this journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but I finally had a, a samples made. The sample process started in 2016. I had samples in my hands 2017 and put them up on our Instagram page. And they sold out in 24 hours to like just my handful of friends. And I was like, okay, like proof of concept. That was pretty good. But like, these are all my friends and they're going to support me, like whatever. And, uh, but one of the people that got a bag was Krista Rodriguez. Cause she's like, as soon as you have a bag, you have to give me one. And she posted it and we got a thousand new followers overnight. And I was like, we went viral, you guys like, whoa. And um, I started a wait list that they could just like email me. And so I was like, okay, we need to make some more bags. And then wait, uh, so you don't have a website yet. So how do you get this email list? How did you it make it? The Google form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a terrible idea. If you're listening to this, don't do that. Because what happened next was um, Rachel Bloom, who was the star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, who's a friend of Chris Rodriguez, found, saw her post, emailed me personally and was like, I need a bag. This is such a cool idea. And I was like, okay, I will make sure you get one. And so I sent her one. And knowing that I was sending one to Rachel, I built a like landing page website in an afternoon while I was like rocking my baby with my foot. Like I like just kind of like doing all the things and she, and then, so that had a, a, a link to the Google form as well. So I was still like manually copying over email addresses and like, fit, like doing everything manually was not a good idea. No, no, I didn't have a Google form. That's what it was. They had, they emailed me and I would copy them from the email. Such a bad yeah. idea. Well, so, I have to say, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm, I run parallel with you as like this, this lifestyle. 
Yes. It's the quote unquote bad ideas that lead to the good ones. Like if you didn't just make it happen, yeah. then then you might we might not be talking right now, you know? It, that's so true. That's so so I shouldn't say it was a bad idea. It ended up being a lot of work for me. Um, but I had at the time had no idea what was coming. Had I, I don't I might have been too afraid to actually like do it because what was coming was a little bit crazy. And so um you're right. I, I got scrappy. I made it happen. Proud yeah. of myself for doing the thing. And uh, Rachel Bloom posts, we get 4,000 followers overnight and 200 people sign up on the wait list. Um, and then Upworthy reaches out on my face, on our Facebook page of all places and was like, we saw Rachel Bloom's post. We think this is super cool. Can we do a feature on you? And I was like, yeah, you totally can. <laughs> and so we did an interview. She's like, this will come out sometime in August. So I launched our website July 2017. August 1st, Upworthy posts their article. I had no idea it was live and not until we started like blowing up. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, by the time it took me to realize the article was live and get to my computer to change it from a wait list to a pre-order so you could pre-order from our next round of bags. We had 800 new people on the wait list. We got I 4,000 new followers, I think. And we sold 4,000 bags in 48 hours. Wow. Um, so then I was like, okay, so proof of concept is really strong now. People are behind this idea. Um, then my LA manufacturer who I'd found said, we're out. Because they're like, we, there's no way we're going to be able to keep up with demand. This is not going to work for us. Which now I'm very grateful that they were honest because not a lot of manufacturers would have been like, you're doing well. We went out. Um, and yeah. so I had to scramble and find a new manufacturer, which I did. In, and they're in Florida. And then I had to send them a sample, go through the sample making process with them again to approve it then start making them. So then we got into manufacturing and then Hurricane Irene hit, closed down our shop. So I always tell like all of August because as an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, it was like the best of times and the worst of times. Like this concept idea of everything I love that I didn't know other people would care about that much, everyone cared about. Like it was the most validating, beautiful, wonderful time. And then terrifying because all of a sudden I was accountable to people for a product I had promised that didn't exist yet. And we lost our manufacturer. And I mean, I was honest about all this, thankfully. And I like emailed everybody, I let them know what was happening, you know, and, and because of that. So by the end of August, we had 5,000 pre-orders and we weren't able to fulfill all of them until December of that year. Um, because I let them choose what drop they wanted and we kept cycling through what we had. Mm -hmm. And I think we maybe had 10 people who wanted a refund and the rest stuck with us, you know? And I, so that's why I'm like, be honest, communicate, tell people what's going on. But especially if you are like a mission driven or, I mean, the theater community, you know, this is the most supportive community in the world. So, yeah. you know, like people will stick with you if you're doing something that's cool or important or, you know, all of the things. So that's how we started. And I've just been like chased by that boulder ever since. <laughs> what, uh, wow. Amazing. What were like, uh, the first couple of bags, like, were they themed with shows like you do now or what were the first couple of 
products. Yeah. Wait, let me see if I can turn. Can anyone see this? Those are the first two drops we ever cut. I framed them and put them on our my wall. Amazing. Remember where we came from. But it's um, Wizard of Oz from Madison Square Garden and Desert Song, which is a, a show no one's ever heard of, but it was the most beautiful, colorful drop we've still ever had. It's still like aesthetically one of my favorite drops we've ever cut. So those were our first uh-huh. two. And then, yeah. How, how long, so from August to December, was that the amount of time you had said it took for the Florida shop to kind of figure things out? Like how oh, no. was that process? They, of- they, they, got, they got things moving pretty quickly. I mean, at that point okay. we were only doing pouches. So once we figured the pouch out, like it was go time. Um, and they did 500 bags a week until we were caught up. Yeah. So it took until, cause I was like, our deadline is Christmas. Like we're done. Like we have to get all these bags in the hands of people who want them. Yeah. Um, and so it took us till, and we kept like, we were getting more orders in and we were doing all the things, but the back date on everything, I'm like, you might get your bag in like a few months and we'll see. And, yeah. and so from January, 2018, we've been current on the website. Got it. So when you when you caught up that December, what were your next steps? Were was it just keep doing what you're doing and pick new drops, or were you already thinking of different types of products? Like what what was the evolution process like once that December? You know, you got past the thick of that yeah. uh, difficult time. <laughs> um, well, the the. One of the biggest early educations for me, especially coming from a stage management background, where I would send an email to the shops and designers one night and be like, we need a, you know, a functioning table that we can tap dance on in the in the rehearsal room by tomorrow at nine. And it was there. You know, like I was very used to a really quick turnaround of very complicated things because theater world is amazing. Um and I quickly had to learn that like the rest of the world doesn't work like that. And so I had to really chill on my expectation and it's still really hard. I have so many things that I want to do and we'll get there and no one knows but me that like everything's taking longer than I want. So we started, we, we were able to like roll out, Mamma Mia was the next thing we launched and we sold like 700 on the first email. So I was like, oh my gosh, like it was, that was a really exciting thing. Cause I was like, did we just sell our bags to everyone who was interested and maybe there's no one left? Like, did we hit, did we tap at our audience already? And so that first email, I was like, Oh no, they're still here and they're interested. And, um, right. Yeah. That's a big thing with like, when you have that first big hit, you always are thinking, was it a fluke? Can I do it again? Is this, you know, so that's cool. Yes. So I was very scared about that. Let me back up. So when, when all this went, viral and you were from august to december like trying to fulfill all these orders did you immediately say like no more stage management like when did you make this decision of like really going all in on the business and and no longer stage managing yeah it was kind of it was in that time because i had not planned on retiring from stage management um when i did like my husband threw me like a what we called a fake retirement party when i got pregnant and and I, I was very sick through my pregnancy, so I couldn't do a full show. Um, I did like every reading in New York, basically, for my pregnancy. Um, and then when I 
finished my last reading before I was like going to have the baby. I had my husband like threw me a retirement party, which we thought was like this joke. And then it actually ended up being real because that was the last show that I did. Um, so it was, it was twofold. It was, you know, ha- having a child. And then the, when scenery like took off, I was like, oh, this is, this is a real job all of a sudden and it needs to be treated like a real job. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was perfect. I could keep a foot in the theater world, which is where I love to be. And I'm so grateful that I am still around it through yeah. scenery bags and I could be home with my kids and work from our living room or living room. Then now, you know, now that we're in Texas, I have an actual office. <laughs> yeah. Our stories are very similar, like no intention of really leaving the theater industry, but it's, or the, as a performer, but it just yeah. happened. And so since it is so uh, similar, I'll ask you this question because I experience it. Do you ever go to a show or, or just are sitting around thinking that you miss stage management or are you fully like, I'm okay that I'm away from it for good? Oh, I miss it all the time. Yeah. I, I miss, I miss the, the most. I miss being in the room. I just miss that energy. I miss the people. I miss the community a lot. Um, cause not only did we leave, you know, did I leave stage management, but we also left New York for mm-hmm. an area where I don't know anybody here besides my husband's family. And I work from home and I'm with the boys. So, you know, I'm like, I went from having 30 new friends every few months in like the regional world. And, you know, you just, you have such a great pool of friends and, and, and community in, in the theater world. And then coming here to, not having that and then a pandemic and like it's been a very weird transition so yeah. i miss a, i miss a lot of it i miss the community and the being in the room the most but i do think that event like our like five to ten year probably ten year plan more is like that brandon and i will probably start producing um so like that's something that we talk about a lot and how we like transition that so like he's still involved in theater so i have an outlet there. I'm still theater adjacent, which is nice. And I do think that there'll be some kind of like return to theater, but possibly in a different role, like as a, a more pro- producerial role. So we'll yeah. see. Got it. So what's next for senior scenery bags? What What's your next product coming out or what can we be on the lookout for um, so we can make sure we get it while it's hot? Yes. Um, we have well, I'm working. Okay, so this is new information, but we were sent the um, Times Square waitress Chicago billboard, um, which is enormous. <laughs> you don't realize how big those Times Square billboards are until they're like in your way. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, no one can lift this and we can't even open it. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. So it's taken like time because it's so much bigger than a drop, um, but I'm very excited for for those bags and, and items come out. It's so it's like half Chicago, half waitress. And we're working on some cool collaborations for that. Um, but that'll be really fun. And we're going to our second home line product, which will be a playbill holder of some kind. So that's what okay. cool. it's super cool. And I'm excited about it. Um, nice. I'm working on a like fancier jewelry line. I'm wearing one of like, you can see the like little diamond embedded in there yeah yeah this is an early sample but so that won't be until like fall you know what's funny look yes beetlejuice it hangs from my my rearview mirror 
that's awesome. And people people ask me about it all the time. They think it's like um because I have no idea what I'm talking about. Some type of like energy stone. Oh yeah, yeah. like a crystal. Sure, yeah. And they're like, is that what that is? I'm like, no, actually. And then I give them the whole spiel about I guess that one's that one's DC, but still. I yeah. think that there's a there's special energy in where if he's wrong. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um all right. So lastly I wanted to ask like on the business side of things, you're obviously creative, you obviously have this uh like hustle, make it work mentality. Uh, have you leaned on others for other like the business side that's maybe like uh, inventory or how to figure out this percentages or these numbers? Or, like, are you just the lone soldier over there or how did how did you end up, you know, filling the gaps, if you will, that you might have discovered along the way? Totally. A great question. Um, I always say. When you, when you start as an entrepreneur in whatever you're doing, you will feel unqualified. Like you just will. It's human nature. Um, also, most of us didn't go to school for, I didn't go to school for fashion or retail. Like I went to theater school. I have my BFA in stage management. Um, but no one will care about your idea more than you will. And your passion qualifies you. Your passion gives you a legitimate seat at the table. And it's also that passion that will ensure that when you get outside of your area of expertise or outside the world where you feel like you can really do that, you will find people to help you. Like I, I do believe if you're doing it right, you know, like you're going to take care of this idea. And part of taking care of this idea is seeking wise counsel when you need it and finding, I got a lawyer right away. I got an accountant right away. And like, these are the things I don't know. These are the things that are important. Um, I'm constantly taking courses like entrepreneurial courses, business courses, like workshops. And um, then I, my first hire was someone to help me with my e-marketing e-blast stuff. My second hire was someone to take over social media because I was doing, first I was doing everything myself. And then when I had my second um, son, I brought in Katie to run our social for my maternity leave. And then I was like, oh no, actually, can you stay forever? Because I can't, I can't. Um, but other than that, I do, I do everything. So I'm trying to bring in more people. I'd love to bring it, like work with some more designers, actually trying to find like costume designers who want to design some stuff for us or scene designers want to design some stuff for us. Um, I love collaborating. I love, I just, I'd also just like hanging out with cool people. So it's like, who wants to come play? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's about shepherding that idea. And I think a big part of that is, is knowing, knowing where you're strong and knowing where you're not and, and finding people to, to fill that in or even the stuff that you just don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cause that's just, a, I mean, they say that like, I think 75% or higher of entrepreneurs have ADHD and I'm like, case in point. So there for us, like if you're not in hyperdrive about what you're passionate about, the other stuff is like pulling teeth to do. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you can, you know, outsource some of that stuff, you're helping everybody. Awesome. All right, Jen, where can we find you on your website or Instagram? What's that information? Uh, let our listeners know. Yes. Our website is scenerybags.com and we're at scenerybags on like all the things, Instagram, and TikTok and Pinterest. And we're not really on Twitter. I mean, we are, but not. Um, but yeah. yeah. All right. Everyone that's listening, I'll make sure to put that in the description of this episode. So if you want to give a click and uh, follow along the scenery bags, go to their website. Um, 
what I'm about to say enlist, uh, subscribe to their email uh, <laughs> list. So yeah, do all the things and support Jen and Scenery Bags. Awesome company, awesome cause, awesome product. So thanks so much, Jen, for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Hey, surprise. We're going to have some after hours with Jen Khan. We have one last story for you that we just could not go without including in this episode. So uh, Jen, I understand you have a little bit of a stage management story to to let us know about. Well, this was my, I was like, well, I'm being on built for the stage podcast. So every time, every show that I did, I had a workout routine that I built into my track as a stage manager. When I was calling, like I was at the podium calling, there was only so much you do like calf raises, maybe some squats like that was kind of it. But when I was on deck as an ASM, I would build and, and everyone knew like, by week two, what my like workout track was. So there'd be like, if I had a crossover that had a lot of time, like I would do like lunges on like going through. And then if I had a song that was where I was waiting, cause it's a lot of hurry up and wait for like your next cue, I would find a safe place to do planks and I would do like minute planks. And then um, we would do like curtsy lunges and we, and by the end of the show or maybe mid show, depending on how long the run is, crew would be doing it with me. Actors would be doing it with me. And so like I would lead like mini workout routines throughout the show to just like fill the time. Like if there were stairs, I do calf raises. I do like ballet routine, like bar ballet routines. I was a dancer. I minored in dance and I used to choreograph um, until I started stage managing so much that I stopped. Um, But yeah, so I thought that you would appreciate that, that like you can work out anyway. This uh, is getting my wheels turning for like, a stage manager only track where they'll sign up and send back a a questionnaire and they'll time out their show for me, like their breaks, like you're just saying. And I could come up with an interval routine for their entire show. Seriously, because like it wasn't besides planking, I didn't do anything that was like on the ground because you never really know. But it was like everything was short. Most of the stuff is stuff that I could do like in the wings, be out of the way, still be paying attention because it's not like I wasn't doing my job. But Like you have a lot of a cro- lot of crossover, so there's there's always uh, so, like room for building an exercise track into what you're doing. But it was very funny because I would laugh at how many people would end up knowing my routine and then join me doing it. See, look at you leading from the front, being a trendsetter, <laughs> getting everyone else on your workout routine. That's awesome. All right, that was definitely worth the after hours. Thanks for that extra drink there at the bar. Appreciate that. All right, everyone. Thanks again. That was Jen Khan from Scenery Bags. This is Joe Roscoe. If you want to try that free trial, go to builtforthestage.com. Actors are athletes, so start training like one. Later. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 